Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking about some supply chain issues. In our spotlight, we're going to tell you about stock knockers. We'll have an egg idiom and we'll wrap things up with cool beans. That's coordinating with some current events. So with me this week are Bill Schomburg. Hey guys. Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So we, the World Series is done. The Braves have come through as the World Series champions, and almost no one's excited. Zero. <laughs> Out, outside of Atlanta. I'm just sure glad that Houston lost for some reason. <laughs> I think everybody. After them cheating, everybody it's like excited, you yeah. just cheer against them. I didn't even see one of those commercials where they try to sell you the swag. Oh, the sure. The Braves just won the World Series. Now you can have. Maybe they maybe they played that in Atlanta, only only in that market that could be. But after everything like NFL wise this week, they just kind of got pushed to the push under the rug. I think unfortunately for the Braves, at least Joe Buckle hopefully look a little less homeless. Yeah, at, he always like gets the scruff when he's doing dual duty of NFL and baseball. So he probably spends a lot of time in an airplane, don't you think? Back and forth. Oh, I, I can't. Uh, can only imagine because they were doing like the Thursday night stuff. Yeah, before like the World Series started, and then I don't remember if he was doing. Because I imagine there had to be World Series games on Thursdays or not. They did a pretty good job of they, avoiding, avoiding NFL. Yeah. They kind of yeah Saturdays, right. maybe Tuesdays. he could still yeah for him that sucks. It's like I don't have an excuse to miss one. No, I have to do I both. Through them all, I'm doing baseball on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, football on Thursday, baseball on Friday. Yeah. Meanwhile, Troy Aikman's just like whatever. I have a I have a ring. I'm in the Hall of Fame. I'm the best ever. Joe, you forgot to say with the Hall of Famer this time. Can you can you please? He. I don't know if people know that I'm the Hall of Famer. He did that last night. I, I flipped on really? the Thursday night game and is like, I'm Joe Bucking with the Hall of Famer Troy Aikman. Uh, he does it all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's like his his introduction is just the Hall of Famer. Like Troy Aikman doesn't exist. It's just the Hall of Famer. And in other news, there's another Hall of Fame. What, what else happened this week? Anything? Yeah, we've got uh, the start of the Jordan Love era due to Aaron Rodgers testing positive for COVID. I mean, I'd like Devontae and some other stuff back too, but hopefully uh, Jordan Love can make something happen. If you put a, if you like, like rewound, like we all like rewound two years ago, we'd never thought of any of this stuff would happen. But if you rewound yourself two years ago and you learned today that the difference between immunization, immunized and vaccinated, like did we ever think that that was different? Like, yeah, isn't that, like, interchangeable? Like, Yeah, I think most people would consider it the same thing, but... Obviously, well, we learned... What do you know? Wednesday that that's not different. the case. It's different, yeah. Just weird. How do you think, how do you think Jordan Love will do? I think he'll do okay. Good news is the Chiefs' defense is not very good. 
running defense are terrible. We've got two very good right, running backs. We still so have Aaron help. Jones and AJ Dillon, so that should be hopefully be good news for us. Yeah, hopefully between the two of them they can get 30 carries and Love's got to make, you know, he'll go 21 of, you know, or maybe 17 of 30 with 190 yards and two touchdowns or something like that. It, I don't think it's going to be the uh, Mike White. Is it Mike White? Last week for the Jets had like 400 yards. He had the oh, highest yeah. in the yep. NFL for a, like for, for that week because somebody yeah. put a bet on it. And really? Won. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be like Matt Flynn in the last game of the season sitting Aaron Rodgers a few years ago either. I, I think we're going to see a six-touchdown game out of Jordan Love. It would be interesting, though. Remember when Matt Flynn yeah, came in and yeah. just played awesome, and basically that, that game got is what got contract. him paid at the, yeah. at, with the Seahawks. And I hope Love and can just come out and play it again. Do really, right. <laughs> it's it's actually a kind of a good thing for the Packers and Love. Like if they lose, also well, be it. it it's their, yep. his first start. Rodgers is out. We won last week, so that game. You know, we're we kinda, didn't expect to beat the Cardinals. No, so. right. So it's like we're kind of playing with house money this week, and it's an AFC loss. So right, not division. A tiebreaker is not. You know, yes, if it comes down to. If we would have had one more win to get the bye, yeah, that would have sucked. But if we end in a tie, this loss isn't going to hurt us like it would if it was a divisional or an NFC. Yeah, the only issue would be we we only have one quarterback. So if something happens to love in game, then I guess yeah, you and I were talking about Randall Cobb used to be a quarterback. So I guess they signed Blake Bortles, but they put him on the practice squad. Oh, did they sign Bortles now? Okay. Yeah, they, yeah. They, I know they were talking about it. But I didn't see the. You'd think they'd have some sort of backup. I, I'm sure it's having to do with roster spots because they even said with Devante, they don't have to bring him off the COVID list till today or something or tomorrow. So maybe they want to keep him on the COVID list and they can have another player that's on the roster and then to practice a little bit more or whatever and then they'll make the roster moves tomorrow or something. So okay. The way it sounds, he'll be the backup. Why You're not going to bring him in right. to sit on the practice Just squad. Sit, yeah. You're going to bring him in to back up because your starting quarterback and your third string are covid so defense has got to play well, and yeah, and run, and run and we'll win. That they've managed to do. Hopefully, the return of Joe Barry won't be a negative. Right. It was kind of cool how they did it without him. They had each of those coordinators. One was calling in what the secondary would do, and one was calling oh, was in what line. the line would do. Oh, yeah, that's good. Which is actually kind of yeah, it was kind of neat because they'd stand I, by each other and you'd see them like one would make a call and tell the other, and then yeah, you know, because if you think about it on a defense, there's a lot going on that. You know, then you could picture, okay, here's what the guys in the back are going to do. Here's what, you know, the guys up front. And it, yeah, it actually was kind of clever the way they did it. It still blows me away in this day and age and the money that NFL has. Like, you can't find a room somewhere that these coaches that are quarantined can't coach from. Oh, sure. They have to, like, said Barry was in his basement watching the game. Like, with the money NFL has, you can't find somewhere in the stadium that we spent most of last year like digitally talking to each other, right? right. Whatever else, like we know the technology's there. Well, look at how they do all the calls now that go to replay, go right. to New York, right. and they're watching it in their basement on something. And right. So you're right, Bill. Why? And maybe with Joe Barry, they were like, yeah, whatever. But if it was Matt Flynn, you wonder Matt Flynn, Matt Lafleur. If it was Matt Lafleur, you wonder what they would have done. One of was it. Kingsbury or Nagy had it too, and I don't 
sounded like they were gone. No, for the just, for the Bears, it'd be better if Nagy. Yeah, was I was gone. yeah, they they didn't have Nagy for the last game. He was not there, and it didn't help apparently. But I just didn't like in the end Rogers' kind of this deception of whether he was like, oh, he's vaccinated, no big deal. Boom, you know, all of a sudden we find out he's not. He's just a little bit decept- deceptive, if you ask me. Darn people with money. <laughs> Going to Canada. Thinking they can do whatever they want. Go to Canada. All right. This week we're talking supply chain issues. It's a topic we've covered a little bit before in the last year. Uh, looking back at a couple episodes, we actually uh, were talking before we started recording here how interesting it is. Um, so episode 51, so just over a year ago, back uh, 10-15-2020, we had an episode of Sale on Potash in ILK, where we talked about how cheap potash was and how you should buy it, put it out. It was in the fall. <clears throat> you know, great opportunity there. And now here we are, record high. I mean, just potash. like 12 13, months later, yeah. yep. it's a record high. And even if you think about it, yeah, it was cheap in the fall last year, but it was pretty cheap this spring, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, I mean, even not like six months ago, it was over half the price and yeah i've even a lot of reading about it and stuff and people are like it was crazy high a month ago now these are just and super it was even crazy high. it was even cheap in august like when we, yeah. were, we were spreading third and fourth crop it was still it was still it was still like not where it yeah just went that was and exploded because what was was that when they were starting to make people take it the deadline. Yeah, the some of that in August would have been yeah. prepaid. Yeah, most real. of it. I yeah, mean, that, that was. was, the, the, so, yeah. was like, yeah, the price are going it. up. We're not. Yeah, we're not honoring it past. Usually, August it's somewhere now. in September because that's the fiscal years. Yeah, a lot of you know because it, it always gets to the point where we can't hold that until like, oh, we want to get grain corn off and then spread it, and they're like, nope, we got to get it out well, now. That's also what makes this even more tricky. Is most of the time in the fall that is when P and K are the yeah. cheapest, right? Yeah. So to see all times highs now, you you just start to question. Well, I don't know what it'll be like next spring. Then how do it it could go down? It could stay this high. It's just very hard to predict six right. months out. But that's not the only thing that's tripping up the supply chain. So not only do we have high costs, but we have um, you know chemical issues with so not just fertilizer, but chemical also is in that. It's been all year almost. It's another thing we kind of talked about this year was uh, hard to find chemicals. So it's affecting multiple aspects of of the market right now. Yeah, glyphosate is up and just even not even the price of these things. It's just the actual availability is is worrisome. Is It's one thing to pay a high price for something, but it's another thing is can you even get it next spring when you need it? Right. And so, I think when you're, when you're buying or you're going to look into your needs for next year, you should talk to your supplier about that. Cause I had one conversation with one co-op and he's like, yeah, we got, we got what we ordered. Now he didn't say if it was in the shed <laughs> or delivered. Sure. But, and then I talked to another supplier and he's like, we ordered this mount and we got a third of it. Like we're only guaranteed a third of it. So I think, there might be some growers might have to change who they buy from too. That you know, if you're normally this co-op, maybe they can't get it, and you got to look somewhere else just because 
you gotta get get it in your shed. Yeah. Right. So so Bill's right. Was we're working on all the farmers out there know what's going on. We want to talk more about now what you could do about it and how you could make sure that next spring you're in hopefully a better position and think it through. And Bill is right that talking to your supplier is good and asking how much they have in supply. And then the third thing that is taking it, take delivery on whatever you possibly can. Right. You know, especially glyphosate or Roundup. If you know you're going to need about 100 gallons next year, whatever it's going to be, get it in your shed. Because if you buy it, it doesn't mean, you know, Matt, what's the rule of how much possession is blank? Nine-tenths of the law. law. Yes. Whether that's actually true, who knows? But (laughs) but that's what people say. But 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 if you have it there, they're not going to take it back. You know, if it's in their shed, they might deliver it to someone else's farm. Yeah, if you don't ask for it, you don't ask for it, and then you're stuck holding the bag at the end of the year because they don't have any delivered to you, even though you paid for it. They can't take it out of your shed. I don't think. (laughs) So put it in your shed. Park all the equipment around it. (laughs) Yes. Lock the shed so that nobody can get to it. At one of the kids' t-ball games this last summer. The one there was a farm truck parked there, and it had a. It was probably, probably a hundred gallons of Roundup in boxes in the back on a pallet, you know, just parked there. And I get out and lock my truck, and I'm thinking, ooh, I don't know if I leave that Roundup. <laughs> a lot of money you know, right I don't there. got nothing inside my truck. We're yeah. stealing. So last last summer, it. probably not a big deal. It was this about spring. the time though where it was like you could tell that guy went and got it. Yeah, you know, right before before yeah. you know, right when it was getting tougher to get. Hopefully, you didn't send anything back. Right, I've had those uh, conversations. Yeah. Like, oh, I got yeah. this thirty gallon drum. I don't need. Just Pit. keep it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, that's probably long gone now. Like we've made that decision what, already. But do you let Roundup freeze over the winter? What What do you think on that, Bill? I don't. I think you should have it stored. I I've let it freeze, and it wasn't. Yeah. It was okay yet, but if you can, that's the one other thing to think about is, you know, having a spot. If you do, you know, a lot of times now we got pretty nice farm shops that are heated, you know, with a pallet rack that you could stick it in somewhere and try to keep it, you know, in a spot where it does stay warm and that'll, then it'll be just fine next spring. Yeah, the other thing to think about with suppliers and how much is with fertilizer is sometimes these plants turn the plant, you know, more than once a year. So right. I don't know, Bill, when you, like the fertilizer plant you worked at, how many times did they turn that? I was too young in my career to really understand that yet. Okay. But I would imagine, I mean, there's probably listeners out there that can answer that just like this, but... You're going to want to, they're going to turn it a couple, I, three times. Right. Usually imagine. it's two to three times they turn these plants. Well, think of that as they've got it, say, in storage now right. for one third. If it's three times, they've got one third of their yearly needs. Right. So um, deciding, you know, when you're going to take delivery stuff on stuff and taking it early if you can so that you get what's in inventory and then when they have to go replenish their inventory, that's where it might get tricky. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of, the conversations I've had with co-op people is like, you know, we're we're selling it now because we have this price, but once we're out of our current fill, like we don't know what the price is going to be. It could yep. be way higher. So, and maybe some tough decisions have to get made about, you know, we're not going to buy Cydrus nitrogen right now. We're going to wait that out wait till out June because the landscape could be completely different. And then the next is having a contingency plan for what if next June or, you know, say May, 
you know you're not going to get nitrogen. You know, it's just 32% is not coming, your is gone. You know, what's sort of your plan B on some of these things? And that's where you can use manure for one, planting out manure this fall properly and then spreading next spring properly and trying to spread that out, you know, as much as you can, making sure you're feeding. The first pound of nitrogen is the most important. Right. And so if you think of that, um, corn loves to be spoon-fed in, and it, you know, the the first 90 pounds, if you want to even put it that way, I mean, we've seen plots bill at Arlington where they got zero nitrogen and the corn actually does better than you think. But even at 90 pounds, you know, that yield curve of corn, it at the end of it, it that's where it starts to, you know, sort of bottom out and go, you know, there's the law of diminishing returns. And so your first sort of 90 to 120 units are the most important. Yeah. So just finding a way to making sure you can feed all of that corn, you know, with that first amount, and then, you know, you worry about the ciders later, maybe even take, you know, pre-ciders nitrate tests or some other things in season. You can pick and choose which fields really need it. I think, you know, we're sitting here in early November. I think most of the customers that I have that have manure are maybe half done. A few of them are done, but I think most of them are about half done with manure. And just want to stress that, this is the year to drop rates. Yep. To yeah. to spread to cover more, every acre every you can. Acre. Yep. Yeah. And cover I know more we acres. all know that that costs a lot of money in hauling and moving hose and all that jazz. But I think your your opportunity cost of what fertilizer is going to be is going to be less. Doing it this way is going to be less than that high fertilizer price. Just having to, you know to spread it out on more fields of manure. Right. That's going to be a better option, I think, this year. The other thing to think about is like legume cover crops. Um, we are a little late in the fall for that. You can't plant them anymore, but if you've got them there, that's... Right. This would be the year to try to let them grow through the spring a little bit and get up so they can get you 40 to 60 units potentially. And the other thing in our area is alfalfa is taking, you know, make sure you're crediting alfalfa credits and maybe even looking at maybe you got to, you know, say next spring, again, you don't know you're getting nitrogen, something comes through with that and... You've got a couple hay fields that are kind of on their way out anyway, and you're gonna, you're like, oh, I'll take a first crop and out, or I'll just, you don't know if you'll keep them all year. That would be a good scenario is maybe you do take a first crop, go to corn, and utilize that alfalfa credit. So, say you got a fourth year alfalfa stand that, you know, let's be real with those stands. They, you know, the fall of the winter of 2019 was pretty rough on a lot of fields. 2020 wasn't bad, but, you know, those aren't our best fields either. And we know that. So maybe instead of saying, Oh, you know, if you got enough hay inventories and that you, you pull some of those out a little earlier than you would. Now that's going to mess up your rotation and you're going to have other things to watch, but it just be a potential where that, you know, we can gain some more nitrogen. So so you're saying Todd on a normal year, you'd keep that field. We'd just let the, the rotation ride and we'd, we'd live with that. Or potentially even seed, Seed more down, you know. Right, alfalfa right. seeds Plant more, more, and yep. and then plow more alfalfa. You know, just basically you you have a tighter rotation, sure, and that's going to create more corn and alfalfa, more alfalfa credits. I think we all know there's those guys that like to keep them for six, seven, right. eight years, I, and you know, you could make an argument against that, even when nitrogen's cheap. cheap. But um, you know, we're We've been pretty good this last couple of years here with hay stocks, and so we're actually in a good place, I think, for for that option as compared to, you know, if we were running low on hay and you're looking for feed anyway, 
you know, it'd be harder to make that decision, but not many folks out there looking for hay. No. <laughs> so that's no. the good we had a yeah, good year on positive. hay, so we can probably this year afford to cut some of those marginal hay fields that we probably It almost say cuz it seems like you talk to guys are like, "Oh, we're going to seed a little less this year. Maybe stick to how much you normally seed." Yeah. And you just take out a few more to get you that alpha alfalfa credit and that'll keep you on track too for years down the road cuz it seems like it gets hard as like on good hay years you cut back, and then on bad hay years, you're planting double the new seedings, right. and it yeah. just it's hard to well, just well, stay consistent. It's on like that. winter kill, except for this is planned winter right. kill. You're, right, you're just taking it in your own hands to say, "Up, oh, okay, we're gonna cut well, it off here." And well, and that'd be the idea of taking first crop, is that's your forty percent of your yield right. is in first crop. Yeah, yeah it's a bulk so, of it, so so you're gaining that way. Um, the other credits to think about is we always talk about soybean credit, and the new word we're using more often, and the UW is using is rotational credit. Right. And so even your winter wheat, we we're seeing that, you know, the UW shows you do about forty units of N less. And it's not necessarily a you know, a credit from from soybeans, it's just a rotational credit that it's not corn on corn. So think of any fields that you have that are corn on, you know, anything else but corn, you're you're yep. gonna be able to drop that to, you know, even at hundred and forty units, you're gonna grow a nice crop. So that's something to think about is try to really do, you know, utilize your rotation to the best you can. A couple of other things I thought about too, Todd, was, you know, fertilizer itself is going to be really high. Are there any other things that we do in the agronomy world that we could go all in on or put our chips on that? Like, you know, making sure like your lime is in check, right? Like your pH is in check. We've been putting that off. Well, maybe this is a year to focus and, on And that. lime's still pretty reasonable yeah. in price. So I lime really should be the number one anyway because it it's sort be. of the cheapest right. yep. way to get your soil, you know, where all the nutrients are most available. But I agree with you, Bill. This is the year to really look at pHs. You know, and, and is it something too, like I normally don't spray a fungicide, and this year I had a little disease. And, yeah, chemicals are kind of crazy, but maybe I can get a decent deal on fungicide. So instead of that extra 30 units of nitrogen, I'm going to do... Protect what you've got rather yeah. than trying to get that yield potential. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think along those lines, too, a lot of times when we're fertilizing, we're thinking of <clears throat> replacing and depending on our fertility building. Um, so it's a good year to look at your soil tests and decide if you need to be building or if you can get away with you know, writing out some of these nutrients a little bit and say, hey, I've got enough built up in the soil bank. Let's make some withdrawals, and then we'll start building up when the prices start to go down a little bit. Yeah, this will be a good year to look at how much, you know, what it, where are your soil numbers at? How much do you have in the bank, and how much of that interest can I, you know, bleed off? And, and even looking at, okay, for one year, here's what you would say drop to in parts per million. You'd be okay, you know, or... Stick to maybe putting a little bit of fertilizer on where you need it, but then on ones where you know your soil tests are good, you let those ride for a year till the prices settle back out or things change. The other thing to, to think about is really look at your cost of production on a year like this because corn and soybean prices are high. So even fertilizer being higher, you still can be profitable. It's just making sure you use the right, you know, you put that into the equation, then somewhat you're going to let your profitability drive how much P&K you can use. Yep. So sometimes the, this all or none mentality, I I never like. You know, I just feel yep. like it's like, oh, are we going to apply it or not? And it's like, no, we'll just 
apply less. Changing management. Right, right. It's not just like all or none. So making sure, like Matt said, to really, really look at and follow your soul tests on a year like this when when, um, P&K is high price. You may even want to, like if you have three-year-old soil tests, maybe you want to take them. You know, maybe you're on a four-year rotation, you know, and maybe it's been three three years. Maybe you do want to take them a year early or two years. You know, maybe you're on a two, you're on two years. Maybe you want to take it two years early to just to reevaluate what that's happened in the last two or three years of your applications. Maybe you did listen to us last year and you went and bought a bunch of potash. You know, how did that affect your soil test? Is it, you know, to just reevaluate those soil tests if they are a few years old earlier than you normally would soil tests are cheap versus fertilizer those prices haven't changed no in in the the sense of how fertilizer prices have changed the other part with that would be a variable rate um this is a good time to really look at that is you might have some fields that on average are okay but you have low spots high spots and putting in a vrt rec um, where you're fertilizing where you need it and not kind of any more than that. And when we build recs, I mean, we got all kinds of different yield goals, different scenarios, different build scenarios. And so that too can kind of be built in of, okay, this is sort of a higher priced year, but obviously the, the inputs are high priced, but also the price of corn and beans are high priced. So it could be kind of figured in and the VRT then will show, you know, where where it needs it, it'll get it. And where the soil can kind of help you through it, that'll, that'll work there. Like we talked about before, you know, it's when it comes to chemicals, you know, a lot of these things apply. Other thing is there's alternatives. You know, we don't always have alternatives to potash or, you know, fertilizers. But um, this we talked about last spring, uh, back in episode 81 in May. Can you round up some roundup? We knew back then there was going to be some supply issues. Um, so try to find an alternatives herbicide that might do the same thing that maybe has a little bit more availability now that's going to change if everybody's doing it and everyone switches from around it to something else um, but there's opportunities there as well to kind of change up your your chemical program let's be real too we've been trying to move from our reliance on roundup anyway in general um, especially with you know enlist beans and dicamba beans with extend and that kind of thing so i'd agree with matt is Really look at alternatives for chem right now. And fertilizer, it seems like everybody's worked up now, and I don't think people have gotten into the chem part yet, and that's no. going to be round two yep. of the same thing of, you know, what is the price and can I get it? And like Matt said, listen back to our episode, and there's, you know, it talks about some other potential things that you could use. Um, one of the best comments I saw on Egg Talk was a farmer basically said he's going to, spray like it was 1985 and use <laughs> dual and whatever. I, he had two other old chem, chemistries that he was planning. Then he was also working on his sprayer playlist of 1980s rock that he was going to have 80s rock blaring while he was spraying like it was That's 80s. a great idea. <laughs> it's the final <laughs> countdown. On your last few acres. I think that would be what would be on my playlist. All right, so there you go. Supply chain issues continue to be a problem. We're, we've seen increase in prices, lack of availability, uh, lack of technology in some cases. We didn't really cover tech, the semiconductors a lot, but tractors and, and parts have been harder to find in some situations too. So uh, just a few options there about what to do. Talk to your supplier. Find out what they have for supply. 
If you buy it, try to take delivery if you have the capability to hold on to it. Use covers, manure, alfalfa to your advantage next spring when you're planting. Look for anywhere you can get you know a boost in nitrogen credit. Lime, something we don't talk about a lot, but we should talk about more. Look at your pHs. Try to bring those into into line maybe this year. Follow the soil test. Use what you've got in the in the ground if you can to kind of help hold you through. And if you need an alternative to something, you know, look look for something that's similar and will do what you want to do, but maybe has either better availability or a better price tag. So that'll do it for the main topic. Now let's move into our spotlight. We're going to be talking about stock knockers, which is a farmer invention that will save tire life by crushing corn stalks. So these are uh, essentially, I think I said it to you, Bill, before, mud flaps for your combine head is kind of what they remind me of. So it's an attachment you can put on the head of your combine to help knock down the stalks as you're harvesting and hopefully save on wear and tear on your tires. When I watched the video, it did show him like knocking them completely off. But Bill made a good point. Like, if it knocks them at a forty-five degree angle, that's like worse because then you just got like a spear pointing out at you. That when you do, if you're coming against the row, you know to really, <laughs> really make it worse. So be interesting what you know how how they operate in the field. But watching the videos, it was kind of a neat product that was invented by a farmer. So yeah, uh, two farmers brothers fifth-generation corn and soybean producers from southwest Iowa's Fremont County came up with the concept. They got frustrated by um, prematurely having to replace tires and came up with this concept. So it's pretty cool little invention. They do have a video showing how it works. And, I mean, as far as, you know, looking how it is mounted on the head, you don't really doesn't look like it would interfere with anything i mean it, it is a good design is in that way where i don't think you'd have any problems no they said in general it should fit on your you know on your cart fine and it it'll pretty easy to get on and off the way they talk so kind of a neat i just like farmer inventions like this where it seems so simple and like well duh, that that'll work why didn't we come up with that before why haven't you know the the machinery companies come up with it so it's kind of neat we don't worry about it till something like that like when tire prices get out of whack, right? When yeah. something or gets out of whack, get tires. Yeah, yeah, we got to find a different way to, to save tire life, and this is a, a great way to do that. Yeah, so pretty cool invention made by farmers. All right, next we're going to move into our ag idiom for the week. And it's kind of an ag history minute. Yeah, we'll play the a duo. We're bringing back ag idiom. It's been a while, Todd. We are. Todd wrote the episode today, and so... I think in the baseball theme, since we just finished up with World Series, he's got warming up the pitcher in the bullpen. So what do you got for us there, Todd? So, yeah, the the bullpen was, you know, baseball term used that that's the area where the relief pitchers warm up before entering the game. And so it was like, well, why would they use that term and where did it come from? And there's a bunch of theories on where that came from. Um, the bullpen at the Cincinnati grounds and it was called three quarter a crowd it lost its usefulness. So there was like a back area of the Cincinnati, um, 
you know, it was in 1877 at their baseball so it was diamond. Fairgrounds that had a baseball diamond, right? And so they would they would put the bring the crowd in that area and hold them like a like a bullpen. like a crowding gate, yeah, and then open it up and they'd go sit at the bleachers and then after that you know the baseball pitchers would warm up there oh, when, so it was when the fans like a, were gone it was right, a dual purpose right. area so that's like a theory of you know the main theory of where where this sort of name bullpen came from i'm just reading here too it says that holds the cheap crowd so you'd come in at the end of the first inning so that was like you didn't want to pay i got full, it i got it backwards price. and yeah i think they warmed up first and then yeah yeah, yeah so they, they filled it with people who didn't want to didn't want to pay full price. And then what, they what was the price of a baseball game? <laughs> yeah. 1877. Look at a shiny a nickel. nickel. <laughs> but we didn't want to pay that nickel. We wanted yeah. to pay a penny. I'll, I'll pay you four pence and not a single penny more. There's many other theories. So another theory is that the term is in reference to dairy farms where bulls were penned separately from the cows, but in sight of their eventual mates. So to get them ready for further action. Oh, so yep. how they're like, you know. Warming them up. Yeah, they're so in the they're, back. and So these relievers are, are in sight of their future. Yeah, future they got to sit out in the back, watch. back from yep. And there's also a reference to rodeo bulls being held in a pen before being released to the main Ooh, area. That's like a Josh Hader pen right there. Yeah. Just holding just, them. Just can't <laughs> hold them down. And then, um, yeah, so they're. There's a bunch of different kind of theories of where it came from, but usually it was kind of in the late 1800s is where it started in I, I, baseball. I do like this last one. Uh, manager Casey Stengel suggested the term might have been derived from managers getting tired of their relief pitchers shooting the bull in <laughs> the, the dugout, dugout so they put him in the bullpen. <laughs> sure, like the pitchers that don't got a pitch that day, they're probably like, yeah, just screwing around, and the guy's like, hey, stop shooting the bull. Well, like, even though like here. the relief pitchers, you know, they don't normally don't come in until sixth, seventh, eighth inning, and probably in Casey Stingle day, they didn't, you know, some of them pitchers went the whole game. Yeah. You know, so like all these relief pitchers, you always talk about how much they screw around and light people's feet on fire and just do crazy crap. He's probably right. They, they just... Think of any other everybody. sport, though. It's not like you have, like in hockey, you've got, you know, the the penalty box. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, all everybody's together. Football, you don't have like the defense on one side. Yeah, and you're the just warming up on yeah. the side. On one it's side, not a special place. Right. Yeah. It just is interesting. Me in baseball, like that, the pitchers kind of have their own separate it's, area. They're that, almost like kickers like, in a way. Like yeah, kickers and punters. But that's got to be really Even that in football is on the sidelines. Right, it is. But the way they practice, it always seems like they're on their own. But, yeah, that's crazy. And and then uh, bullpen cars, and the reason I put this in there, because it has a reference to the Brewers. But So between the 1950 and 1995, there was a bunch of MLB teams that used vehicles to transport pitchers from the bullpen to the mound. These bullpen cars ranged from golf carts to full-size cars. And it was the 1950 Cleveland Indians were the first to use the bullpen cars. And the last to use it was a motorcycle and a sidecar used by the Milwaukee Brewers in 1995. Bet it was Harley. Do you ever remember? Oh, yeah. that I was one of the... Sure, it was like, Harley called to the bullpen. Now they just drive a car on the warning track. Yeah, that's lame. That's when they're giving away, though. It's like a prize. It's not to transport pitchers. But it's cool that the Brewers are the last one to use. And it, I just feel like it'd be awesome to jump out of a sidecar. <laughs> like, did you ever see that, no, Bill, or remember I, that? I don't no, remember I don't. that at all either. No. I feel like the, the groundskeepers would probably like be the ones that wanted to put an end to that. 
as you're driving right, over the right. field. Like, oh, I just, I just, oh, I groomed all that grass. I marked it. Oh, this is terrible. Well, especially how cool is some of the run-ins where they like, like all out run from, you know, like from back there to the, or, you know, or even the slow walk is kind of badass too sometimes yeah. where if you came in on a car race, you're like, really? Like you're an athlete, but they got to drive you from <laughs> that fence to the mound? Like. Well, now, yeah, when we think about carts, like in football, that's the injury cart. Like, you don't want to see right. a player on the cart. Like, oh, no, they're leaving. Like, that's not good. So yeah. the connotation is a little different in that sport. But In the Badger game, they had an ambulance on the field because a guy broke his ankle. Oof. I remember, like, when we were watching that game, people I was watching, they're like, oh, my God, like, they put an ambulance. Like, and I'm like, no, that's, I've seen that. Before. Oh, you know, I they have, have too. The, oh, yeah. the ambulance in the tunnel right waiting, there, yeah. which is crazy. Like, yeah. Like, at Lambeau, they don't do that. They don't, but yeah, Camp Randall does. It's always Camp Randall's always had, had that, that, yeah, that ambulance right there in the tunnel. Yep. So one other things, or the re- the reason that made me think of bullpen was during the World Series, uh, PETA actually released a well, it's just a tweet that they would prefer if they changed the name bullpen um, because. They don't like it being used, and their alternative to it was they said we should switch to arm barn as the representation instead of the bullpen. And I thought that was a very interesting <laughs> term, the arm barn. Um, yeah, I came up with a couple of my own of what they could call it, a pitching parlor or the setup man shed. I don't know. What else do you guys got? I like pitching parlor. Pitching that's, parlor. It's a nice rolls off your tongue. Is it a rotary parlor? How many pictures can we get in the yeah, room? I just think of my grandma that always called the parlor like the living room. Oh, yeah. They called like, that. Go in the parlor yeah. and get the whatever. That's what I think of a parlor, like a waiting area. Yep. Yeah. Parlor, like a yeah. old timey definition. I think we'll still be. I don't I don't think that arm barn will take out bullpen. I just, I don't I see think an arm bar, like a wrestling term. Right, it's oh, more like a, yeah, sure. it sounds yeah. painful. Like, yeah, it uh, does, actually. Pitchers in the arm barn. Oh! Ooh, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, and then, like, the brewers use that term, like, bullpenning, like, where they use their bullpen to kind of... Yeah, like a whole game. Yeah, so I don't know if we'll change that to arm barning. Arm barn, barn. And I don't know, it just sounds, yeah, just different. PETA's always got to find their way where they don't belong, right? Well, and, like, I don't know that that's very... Right. It's just I, most the, people probably don't even understand what it means. Yeah. Like like it's penning up a bull or penning up an right. animal. They probably don't even Yeah, when you say bullpen, I think most people do think of baseball. baseball ba- right. Else. Like, right. You yeah. think of that term over like it, baseball's taken over that term. And not, it's not just used in baseball, it's used in offices and stuff too. Like I the newspaper I yeah, remember that being a term for like the bullpen was where all the reporters were sitting at their desks and doing the stuff like so I mean it's not not solely for baseball. It's very common, and I think a lot of people think of that. But it's it w- was a term used in other other contexts also. Yes, the bullpen is the open area where reporters and many editors sit, making calls with writing and gossiping. So, like you say, there was other yeah. kind of uses for that term as well. I'm sure relief pitchers gossip as well. Well, they're bullpen in the bullpen. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> well, what else are you going to do for six? I feel like. Like Besides they got like ball. some of the coolest but junkiest seats back there, yeah. and like, gosh, you just sit and that'd be be harder than you think just to sit around. You know, it's one thing if you know you're not going to play, but there it's like you could play at any 
minute. And most and, of those guys come in in like high leverage, like bases loaded. Right. You know, right. like you got to get, you got to perform and get these outs because your team is relying on you because the starter just blew it or whatever. You know, so you sit around, screw around, and it's like, oh, better go. You know, get going. All right. So there you go. The bullpen, not just for baseball. And hope. Hopefully it won't become the arm barn. I don't know. It just doesn't that doesn't quite have the same ring to it. So we want to shout out to our listeners. We thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. But mainly tell a farmer friend. Tell him to subscribe and he said, Well, what is a podcast? Where do I get that? And you say it's like radio on your phone and while you're sitting in the combine with your stock knockers protecting your tires, you can listen to the podcast and Get all learned up on what's going on with the supply chain issues, and it's just great, a lot of fun. How they get it is tell them to search Tilt Talk Radio in Apple Podcasts. So if your farmer friend has an iPhone, there's an app on there called Apple Podcasts, and it's pretty easy to just subscribe to Tilt Talk Radio there. On Android phones, there's the three apps we like are Podcast Addict, Podbean, or Player FM, so they're going to have to download Another app, but it's pretty easy, and then search Tilt Talk Radio on there, and they can subscribe. The other easy way, too, is on a browser, on a smartphone or computer, they can go to tiltegg.com slash podcasts, and there you can also listen to all our up-to-date podcasts. And please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. All right, now we'll get into our current events with some cool beans. That's, excuse me, that's corny. Cool beans? Cool beans. Cool beans? Cool beans. All right. Our cool beans this week. John Deere and the UAW agree on a new six-year contract subject to union votes. So they've gotten back together. You know, a couple weeks ago we had the uh, the strike as a result of a failed contract. So hopefully this one goes through and everybody can get back to work and things will be in better shape. So... Always some positive news there when people can come together and, and hopefully come to an agreement. This is the last strike, one of the strikes in 1986. The workers sat out for 163 days. So this, if they can agree, that was only like a couple weeks, I think. I don't feel like it was that long. Yeah, it hasn't been. I don't think it's been a month yet since it started. So Hopefully they have supplies to put the tractors together with. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean... In that way, it might be a positive. Yeah, maybe it was just like a furlough till they sure. get more. It's, it's conspiracy. <laughs> All right, and then our that's corny this week. That Wisconsin may be affected by a turkey shortage this Thanksgiving. So we are in November. Turkey Day is just a couple weeks away. So hopefully, you can find a bird. Uh, many families that canceled their large Thanksgivings in 2020 also cancel their large turkeys. And so an increase in demand for smaller turkeys last year may lead to an issue this year. So watch out for a shortage in birds. So just like so you're buying Roundup early. Just yep. go pick up a turkey on Takes, your way to... So just take, buy it, throw take it possession of your turkey <laughs> yes. put it in your freezer. <laughs> so 16 pounds and under is what the article says. So if you... Just go buy an eighteen pounder and you're good. There'll be plenty. It's going to be a shortage on small ones, or yeah. big? oh, yep, have hmm. have some leftovers. Yeah, for months. Yep, yeah, it'll freeze. 
can have tryptophan naps all year <laughs> long. It does freeze well. That's like the best part. Or like yeah, no, having turkey sandwiches better, after. Yeah. So yeah, one of the better meats to freeze. All right, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks, Matt. That, yeah, Max is Max here to say that. Thanks nope. for having us, Matt. So today we talked about supply chain issues and everything ranging from chemical and fertilizer to parts and how you can hopefully mitigate the impact it has on your operation. In the spotlight, we talked about stock knockers, a new invention from a farmer to help save on your tires while in the field. We talked our Ag Idiom of the Week, warming up pitcher in the bullpen, a little bit of the history about that and how it pertains to agriculture. And in our cool beans, we're hoping to see a positive solution to the deer strike. That's corny is there may be a shortage of smaller turkeys this year. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.